You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without faults in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace. He has purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has not revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Well, he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Now, do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and think these things? I feel worthless. Yeah? It's something I struggle with at times. It's just kind of my own sense of, of worth and value. And at times I, I do catch myself looking in the mirror. Uh, maybe it's the mirror of my imagination or the mirror of my mind or the mirror of my thoughts or the mirror of my emotions, but I oftentimes look into a mirror and begin to believe somehow that I am not valuable, that I am actually, in fact, uh, worthless. It's easy for me to fall into self-pity and despair and then kind of fall into that cycle, right? Self-pity and despair and worthlessness and self-pity and despair and worthlessness. And you can hear it in my words. It's when you can hear it. You can hear it in the negative self-talk that comes out of um, my mouth. 
Sometimes this happens for me because I know that I'm struggling with my own behavior, right? Um, I, 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 I think it's probably the same for you. That when you struggle in your own behavior, your sin, right? Things that you know you should not be doing, when you fail, at that point it's easy to feel worthless, devalued, not valuable, right? Um, think of the flip side of that, when you are successful, you do something right, right? You feel valuable, you feel worthwhile. I passed the test, I did good today, I got my star on the chart, I got my check mark, I balanced the scales a little bit more in terms of my worth. Other times, uh, I think the mirror that I wind up looking in um, when it comes to my believing that I am uh, unworthy or worthless, uh, that mirror that I begin to look in sometimes is the mirror of somebody else's behavior, right? May not be necessarily that my behavior has been bad, therefore I feel worthless, or that uh, my behavior has been so great that I feel more valuable, um, it may not be that category, take that and push that. It may be just the category of how somebody else treats me. When somebody treats me poorly, it can be really easy to begin to feel really worthless, right? Anybody struggle with that? Um, or sometimes when I find somebody who treats me really well, makes me feel good, they say nice things about me, I feel accepted, I feel loved, I believe that I am worth more, more valuable now because of something that somebody else either did or said. So two categories here that have a tendency to drive what I believe about my worth is me and other people. I wind up letting me drive and dictate what I believe about my worth and my value, or I let other people drive and dictate what I believe about my worth and value. That sound like a mess to you? Anybody else want to join the line and say, yeah, I'm in that mess with you? Anybody? Oh, there's three of you. Good. All right. All right. Four or five. All right. Good. I'm not the only one. Good. Um, into that mess is what I think this passage from the Apostle Paul speaks to today. Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in, in the verses we're going to look at, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10 of chapter 1. And these, these few verses speak to this mess that we're kind of identifying on the front edge. It's, it's as though in these verses what God is doing through the Apostle Paul is like he's, he's like thundering down from heaven and he's saying, you are are priceless. You're not worthless. You're priceless. And you're priceless because you've been redeemed. Think about this. You're priceless because you've been redeemed. When you and I struggle with believing that we are worthless, what God says to us, he says, I've created you. I've created you. I've purchased you. I've bought you. I've bought you with the blood of my son. Therefore, you are priceless, not worthless. You are redeemed. I've showered you with the benefits of redemption. I've forgiven you. I've poured out my grace all over you. It's, it's covering you. You're covered in my grace, right? You're redeemed. You're priceless. You're not worthless. This is what God is speaking to us. I've opened your heart to understand the gospel. If you're here, if you're hearing this message and, and you understand the message of the gospel, then you can rest assured that you have been redeemed because God has opened your heart and he has given you understanding 
It's the benefits of being a person who is redeemed. Priceless. Priceless because you've been redeemed. Not. Not worthless. I want to hold up in front of you today a completely different mirror than the mirrors that we have been trained to look into. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 7. Paul says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The simple message of these verses is this. You are priceless because you are redeemed. You are priceless because you are redeemed. The God who created you also paid the price to purchase you. And if you are redeemed, if you are, if that's you, if you can stand that line and say, yeah, that's me, I am redeemed. I've trusted in Christ. I've I've believed in him. I've heard the message of the gospel and I believe I am redeemed. If you can sing that song that we sang earlier, redeemed. If you can sing that and you can say, I am part of the redeemed, Though I struggle to believe it at times, but I know that I am. If you can say that you know that you are, then you get to enjoy the benefits of of redemption. You get to enjoy the benefit of God's forgiveness and the benefit of God's grace and the benefit of understanding the gospel. This is what Paul is saying. This is what God is saying through Paul in this letter to the Ephesians. So as we study this out, What I want to do is I want to explain two things primarily. I want to explain the meaning of redemption, and then I also want to explain the benefits of redemption. So we're going to go through two basic categories. What does redeemed or redemption mean? And then what are the benefits is where we're going to head. So question one, what does it mean to be redeemed? We're going to start there. And what I want you to do is I want you to imagine this picture. You probably see it on the screen in front of you. I want you to imagine this picture. Imagine this story with me as you see this picture in your mind and on the screen in front of you. Imagine a little boy playing with a little boat in the sand. He's playing with this little boat on his family's lake. This little boy, with the help of his parents, and he spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours creating this little boat himself. They imagined what the boat would look like. They drew up the plans. They bought the supplies, and then they created the little boat as a family, as a community together. You could say the little boy and his mom and his dad, all three of them in community, created this little boat. After planning it, after getting the supplies, after imagining it in their mind, They created themselves. It was their own creation. It belonged to them because they created the boat. Get the picture? Once the boat was built, the little boy spent hours and hours and hours enjoying his creation. And then one day, the boat went missing. It was nowhere to be found. A big, massive, destructive storm came up overnight. And the waves of that storm carried this little boy's creation 
away, and it was lost, and it was gone. So a little boy, what do you think he did? Went and looked for it, right? He went searching for his little boat, his creation. The boat that he made that belonged to him, he went searching for it everywhere. One day he found it. Found it in the widow, window, not a widow. Found it in the window of a uh, dirty, sleazy, scuzzy-looking pawn shop in a nearby town. That's where he found it, sitting in the window, getting shown off. When the little boy saw the boaty that he had created, he, he went right into that pawn shop, right into that store. And he went up to the uh, pawn shop owner and he explained that that little boat belonged to him. He had created it. It was his. To his horror, the pawn shop owner, who was a greasy scumbag of a dude, explained to the boy that it would cost him thousands of dollars to buy this boat back. This uh, dirty pawn shop owner, for some reason, wanted to keep hold of this boat. Part of the reason was that he'd been renting this lost little boat out every day to people that were coming through town. He was renting it out to these travelers to play with it. People who wanted to have fun with it, right? He'd been renting it out. This boat was his slave. He wasn't going to let go of it easily. So the little boy went home and explained the predicament to his parents. But the cool thing in this story is that the, the little boy and his parents had already imagined that this day would come. They'd already planned for such a day as this. They, they knew this would happen at some point. They'd already planned for it. And they'd all agreed ahead of time, all three of them had agreed ahead of time to stash away as much cash as possible um, so that in the event that the boat was lost or stolen or damaged, um, they could find it and buy it back, fix it up, and it'd be brand new again. The only problem in the whole story is that the purchase price for the boat would totally wipe out every penny that the little boy had in savings. He literally would have to spend his entire life savings, you could say he'd have to spend his life, to get the boat back. The boat already belonged to him. But the little boy and his parents, man, they were happy to do this. They had planned for this, and they were happy to do this. They were happy to give everything that they had to purchase what already belonged to them because they had created it. And in the words of another storyteller who was telling this story, as the little boy left that scuzzy little pawn shop with that boat in his arms, he said this. He said, you are twice mine because I created you and I bought you. Twice mine. When we sing that song, Redeemed, that's what you're giving God thanks for. You are twice his if you've been redeemed. You're priceless. Priceless because the God who created you paid the price to purchase you. Let's, let's think about this for a few minutes. And when the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian believers that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, he's reminding them that they've been redeemed, right? Right? And when the Apostle Paul, think about when the Apostle Paul had found the Ephesians. When the Apostle Paul found these people in the Ephesian church, in the book of Acts, is where you'll find that. 
And they were excited to hear the message of redemption. And they wholeheartedly embraced this message, this good news that God, the God who had created them, had also redeemed them by purchasing them back. He had done this to make them his own possession twice over, and therefore they were priceless because they belonged to God. And when the Ephesian believers heard this in the book of Acts, man, they responded, not only wholeheartedly, but they, they responded to it, to this message with such radical repentance that they turned away from all of their old sinful living and began to believe in the God who had redeemed them because they knew they were now priceless. And they did it so radically that they left behind all of their witchcraft books. And in fact, they took millions and actually probably billions, maybe even trillions of dollars. Think of the cost. Think of the cost. These Ephesian believers, these brand new baby believers, grabbed all their books of witchcraft, dumped them in a pile and burned them. Witchcraft was the, was the largest, one of the largest money-making industries in Ephesus. These brand new believers that began to follow Jesus and began to understand that they were priceless because they'd been redeemed. Their response to that recognition, their response to that understanding was to give up that which fed them. This was their money-making industry. That's how radical their repentance was. Trillions of dollars worth of books and industry down the tubes in one day because a bunch of people say, man, I'm priceless. I've been redeemed by God. That was their response. And our worth and our value is not tied to our jobs. It's not tied to our hobbies. It's not tied to our failures or our successes. It's not tied to what anybody else says about us other than the God who created us. Our worth is tied to the one who owns us and created us. Think about, think about the Apostle Paul, too. Okay? the one who is writing this letter to the Ephesians. Think about him. Paul was a man who had committed unthinkable crimes, right? Unthinkable crimes in his terroristic rampage against God and his people. And then one day in the midst of that terroristic rampage, you could say the Apostle Paul was much like a Hitler or an Osama bin Laden. That's how horrifying this dude was in the midst of his terroristic, horrifying rampage against God and his people, God steps into the scene. One day, Paul meets Jesus on the road of redemption. He gets redeemed. Jesus called him away from his sinful enslavement in the pawn shop of self-promotion and accomplishments. And in the blink of an eye, Paul met the God who had created him and who had redeemed him as his own possession. He now understood that he was priceless because he actually belonged to God. That's who he belonged to. I am not my own, but I belong to God who created me. I belong to him and he belongs to me. This is what you get to say if you are redeemed and you've trusted in Christ. If you haven't trusted in Christ, you don't get to say that yet. The hope is that some of us here in this room would make the leap from being unredeemed in the pawn shop to being redeemed and set free from that pawn shop of your sin 
the power of Satan in your life, and the power of death that's on its way. Our worth is tied to the one who owns us and created us. And not only that, but being redeemed also means that we are owned by the God who purchased us, right? Apostle Paul and the Ephesian believers, as we've just examined, they had tremendous reasons to celebrate their redemption. Tremendous, untold reasons, unfathomable reasons to celebrate their redemption. But that celebration of redemption, you think about this, not just in their lives, but our lives, that celebration of redemption, living in that posture of celebrating the fact that you and I are priceless and redeemed, it can get drowned out. That celebration can get drowned out and turned into mumbling and grumbling and despair and depression and sadness and anger and hurt, right? And suffering. The Apostle Paul, actually in this first chapter, he's actually singing a song. This is, this is actually one great big long sentence, and it's a song of celebration. He's celebrating the fact that we are priceless and redeemed. So they had just as much reason to celebrate, but that, that celebration could be drowned out by shouting voices, new shouting voices, the voices of shame and regret and guilt, sin. You ever had one of those days? Ever have one of those days where you question your worth, question your value, you question your worth and your value because of your sin or your shame or your guilt or your doubt? I think the Apostle Paul knew that these Ephesian believers, I think he knew that we, God definitely knows that we would struggle with this. And so what Paul does here is he reminds them and us of the blessings of redemption. He reminds us that not only does God own us because he created us, but he also owns us because he purchased us, right? He bought us. He paid the price to the shop owner of our sin that we were enslaved to. We belong to him because he purchased us, and therefore we are priceless. God is the one that sets and dictates our value. We need to hear from him before we hear from ourselves. If you're struggling in this place where you feel worthless, and you don't feel the weight of the pricelessness that God speaks over you. The encouragement is to stop listening to yourself and stop listening to others and start listening to what God says about you. It will radically change the way that you live. And the Ephesian believers, the Apostle Paul, you, me, we're all like little boats. We're all like little boats stuck in the pawn shop of our sin and our shame and our guilt and our despair, our fear. We have no hope of getting ourselves out. But the God who created us gave his son to die upon the cross so that the, the price for our sin could be paid. Jesus' broken body, his shed blood at the cross, man, it removes our sin. It removes our shame. It removes our guilt if you've trusted in him. Priceless because you've been redeemed. We are priceless because the God who created us also bought us back from the clutches of Satan, sin, and death. This is what God speaks over us. This is what God is shouting at us from the sidelines. How often do you screw things up? Think about that. How often do you screw things up and then start thinking that you're worthless? How often do you believe lies about how worthless you think you are because someone else hurt you? How often do you look in the mirror 
and hate the image of you that you see because you think you aren't as worthwhile as someone else. Right? Comparison. Compare ourselves to other people. Listen, there, there's no amount of makeup, no amount of weight loss, there's no amount of love from another human being, no amount of uh, uh, earthly accomplishments, no amount of religious accomplishments, no amount of any of these things will ever make you more worthy. Quality of your marriage, quality of your friendships, None of that will add value to our lives. We think it will because that's what the world tells us. But the truth is, none of that adds value to our life. You're not worthless because of your failures. And the flip side of that is this. You're also not priceless because of your accomplishments. You're priceless because the God who created you paid the price to purchase you. What this message really is, is an invitation, right? It's an invitation to, uh, to, to trust in God. It's an invitation to believe the value of your pricelessness. It's an invitation to believe that your value isn't dictated by your performance. It's not dictated by your possessions. It's not dictated by what others think or say about you or do to you. God's word to us today for the believer and for the unbeliever in this room is that you are priceless because the God who created you also paid the price to purchase you. Paid the price to purchase you back from the clutches of Satan's sin and the grave. This is your identity if you're a believer. This is who you are if you have said, I trust in Christ. This is your invitation to come and believe and become that new identity if you are an unbeliever. Jesus is standing like right next to you, speaking to you now. He's knocking on the door and he's saying, will you let me in? Will you let me in and come and proclaim this over you? Will you hear it? Will you receive it? Will you look into a new mirror this morning? He's standing next to you and he's saying this. He's saying, you are twice mine because I created you and I purchased you. You are redeemed. You are priceless, not worthless, because I am God. I created you, and I purchased you. Do you believe that? Will you receive that? What are the barriers that stop you from believing that or seeing that? Question number two, what are the benefits? What are the benefits of being redeemed? If you're redeemed... If you are redeemed, then you've received the benefit of forgiveness, the benefit of God's grace, and the benefit of understanding the gospel. You can go back one slide or two. The bad news. Trying to hurry me up again, aren't you? <laughs> the bad news about this big category of redemption uh, is that you and I cannot pay the price. We cannot pay the cost of our redemption. That's the bad news. When we think about the benefits of redemption, it's kind of like... Uh, a health insurance policy, okay? It's like a health insurance policy. When you purchase a health insurance policy and you pay the premium for that, you get a benefit. And the benefit is you get cheaper meds, hopefully. You get cheaper doctor's visits, hopefully. You don't have to pay $10,000 for an accident. You only got to pay a few thousand dollars for an accident. You get benefits because of the insurance package that you get. And again, the bad news of redemption for us is that you and I cannot pay the cost of the premium. 
We can't pay the cost of the premium to remove our sin because it takes a perfect payment to actually pay the price. And you and I are not perfect, right? So we can't ever pay the price of the premium or the benefits of redemption. We, we, we cannot be redeemed on our own. The good news in all of this, though, is that God himself paid the premium for us. He paid the premium for us at the cross of Christ. This is how we now have access to the best insurance plan on the face of the planet that has ever existed, that will ever exist. And to top it all off, the plan's been paid for by the provider himself. Like, that's a pretty good stinking insurance plan, agreed? Like, that's what redemption is like. The benefits we get, somebody else paid for. In fact, the guy who owns the plan paid it for us. That's a plan I want. Anybody else want that plan? Sounds like a really great insurance plan, right? <laughs> we are priceless because we've been redeemed. And if we've been redeemed, then we get to enjoy the benefit of God's forgiveness, God's grace, and understanding the gospel. Those three things. We're going to work through them here. Number one, if you're redeemed, if you received the benefit of forgiveness... Verse 7, if you are redeemed, then you have received the benefit of forgiveness. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that if we believed in Jesus, then we've been redeemed. If we've been redeemed, then we've received the benefit of God's forgiveness. The dirty slate of the chalkboard of our lives has been washed clean. Our criminal record has been expunged. It's been erased. Our filthy stains from that sinful relationship or those dirty thoughts or those angry words or the selfish behavior or the, the hateful actions. Every last bit of it and more, all of it's been erased. It's gone. In Christ, the price was paid for our sin and we have been forgiven. This is what forgiveness means. It's to wipe the slate clean. Our slate is clean. When God sees us, he sees perfection because we've been forgiven. Number two, if you're redeemed, you have received the benefit of God's grace. Not just that we've been forgiven, but we've also received the benefit of his grace, verses 7 and 8. And listen, as we think about God's grace and the way that God poured out his forgiveness and his grace over us, the way that he lavished us with his forgiveness and grace, it's not like God saw us as poor beggars on the street. Okay? It's not like he saw us as poor beggars on the street that he wanted to take pity on. And so therefore, he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a coin from, a, from his leftover expenditures that day and tossed it to us. Though even a leftover coin out of God's pocket would be highly worthwhile and would do us all a great bit of good, that's not the picture of the way that God lavished his grace and forgiveness on us. It's not like he was like, oh, poor little you, I'm going to take pity on you. Here's a penny. What he actually did is he actually snatched us up. He actually picked us up out of the middle of our rotten place in life. And he took us back to his mansion where he gave us a brand new home, a brand new life, a brand new family, made us brand new children in that brand new family. And then from that point forward, he didn't just leave us there. He continuously pours out his love and his grace over us as Paul says, according to, not from, but according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Here's the thought. Here's the thought that comes out of that. You are not a leftover thought 
You are not a leftover afterthought. You are not a leftover afterthought of mistaken worthlessness. You are not a leftover afterthought of mistaken worthlessness. You are priceless. You're priceless. You're priceless and redeemed. You're not a leftover afterthought of mistaken worthlessness. You're priceless and you're redeemed by the God who declares that you are priceless. You are priceless because the wealthiest person who's ever existed has redeemed you. And because you are redeemed, you've been showered by the benefits of God's grace. Grace simply means unmerited favor, unearned gift. That's what the word grace means. God has lavished his benefit of redemption upon you even though you and I didn't deserve it or earn it. This is what makes you priceless. God is the one who sets your value. God is the one who says you are worthwhile. He simply looked at us, God did, simply looked at us in our poor state of sin and he said, you are priceless because I say you are priceless. And I will spend everything I have to make you mine so that you can receive the benefits of redemption according to the riches of my grace. Is that something you believe today? Do you believe that there's no end to the wealth of God's grace being offered to you for free? Let me ask that question again. Do you really believe that there's no end to the wealth of God's grace being offered to you for free? That's massive. You and I are priceless. Because we're redeemed. Number three, if you are redeemed, if you are redeemed, then you have received the benefit of understanding the gospel. What Paul does here in these final verses, like verse 8 through 10, Paul explains that God has this. This is what he says. God has showered us with forgiveness according to his grace and all wisdom and insight that he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. These final verses, (laughs) let's say it this way, there is a crap ton of stuff in these verses. There's a lot in there. We've spent a long time here in these final verses. We could spend days talking about these final verses. You talk about the mystery of the gospel. You talk about God's will. You talk about God's purpose. Talk about unity. Talk about how our future home in heaven relates to our current home here on earth. I mean, those are all the different topics and themes in what Paul says in these last couple of verses. There's a lot there. But the simplicity of what Paul is saying, the way I want to approach it today because of time, an attention span. The simplicity of what Paul is saying here flows out of a fountain. So if you can think of a fountain in your head, flows out of a fountain of truth. And that fountain of truth is that we are priceless because we are redeemed. That's what the truth of these last few verses flow out of. And the water that's flowing out of that fountain that says you are priceless and redeemed, the water that flows out of the truth that flows out of that is this simple truth that If you are redeemed, you receive the benefit of understanding the gospel. If you understand that God created you to be with him, 
And then you got carried away by the raging storm of sin. Then you were enslaved by an evil pawn shop owner. And then Jesus went to the cross to purchase you back from Satan, sin, and death. And now you've trusted in Christ and you've received forgiveness because of God's grace. Then you've been given the gift of understanding the gospel. That's the entire verse in one paragraph. There's no way, absolutely no way that any human being could ever explain the mystery of the gospel adequately enough for you to understand it. This gift of being able to understand the gospel, this is a benefit that only God can give you. The wind blows where it wishes to blow, and so does the Spirit of God, right? And it's the Spirit of God who does the work of salvation and gives us understanding. He illuminates God's word, illuminates the meaning of the gospel. He turns a light on it so that you can see it and understand it. So if you're here today and you understand that and you believe that, God gave you that gift. It's a benefit of actually being priceless because you are redeemed. But there's barriers, right? There's barriers to believing everything that I've preached to you today. There's barriers to believing the truth of our priceless redemption. There are things that plug our ears there are things that cover our eyes so that we cannot see and hear. There are things that prevent us from believing deep down inside that we are priceless. There are things that restrict us from receiving the benefits of our priceless redemption. And the place that I kind of want to go with us as we wrap this up is this place, pain and suffering. Pain and suffering makes it so easy for us to have plugged ears and blind eyes and unbelief. I just want to ask, what is that point of pain and suffering for you that stops you from believing that you are priceless? Is it the mirror of your own sin? Is it the mirror of someone else's sin? I want you to watch this video.
Is all your affliction momentary? Not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day, Focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for.
And to close our, our time out, to conclude our time, um, I wrote a couple paragraphs that act as a little bit of a letter. If you find yourself in this, and please don't feel called out by me, but please feel encouraged by the Lord. Uh, to my friend who struggles with addiction to porn and believes he's worthless. God says that you are priceless. <sighs> to my other friend who believes he's worthless because he's still single, God says you are priceless. To my friend who believes that she's worthless because her husband abused her, God says you're priceless. My friend who is struggling is a single parent and believes that she is worthless. God says you are priceless. To my friend who believes he's worthless because of his physical and emotional weaknesses, God says you are priceless. To my friend who believes he's worthless because he's faced the pain of divorce due to his own failures and the failures of his spouse. God says you are priceless. To my friend who looks in the mirror each morning and tries to cover up her sense of worthlessness with more makeup, God says you are priceless. To my friend who believes she is worthless because a parent abused you or abandoned you, God says you are priceless. the woman who believes that she will never be beautiful enough to overcome your own sense of worthlessness, God says, you are priceless. You are priceless because you've been redeemed. The God who created you also paid the price to purchase you. You are twice his. And if you are redeemed, then you get to enjoy the benefit of God's forgiveness and the benefit of God's grace and the benefit of understanding the gospel. The question is, do you believe that? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much for this passage. And thank you so much for your grace over us and thank you so much for going to the cross on our behalf. God, I pray that you would release your spirit to break through any barrier that hinders us from hearing this message, that you are the one who sets our value. Help us to stop listening to our own voice because our voices are broken. Help us to listen to yours because yours is perfect. God, help us to hear this and know that this is who we are priceless because you redeemed us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close, we'll close with communion and prayer and worship.
So this meal is for believers. If you're here and you've trusted in Christ and you're actually following wholeheartedly after him, this meal is for you because it's a celebration of the redemption that we just talked about. It's a celebration of the body who was broken and the the blood that was shed on our part. And so that's for you. If you're an unbeliever and you're here, we love the fact that you're here. We just do not want you to partake in this meal because it's meaningless to you at this point. Um, And we don't want you to do meaningless things. We don't want to develop those kinds of disciples or followers. And so uh, you might have just begun to trust in Christ. And if that's the case, then all of heaven is roaring its excitement over you. And uh, then this meal is for you, and we'd love to pray with you and serve you communion. And so there will be two of us near the front to serve the elements to you. We'd like to pray with anybody that has prayer needs, and so we'll ask you as you come if you have prayer needs, and then we'll also worship at the same time. So thanks for being here today, guys. I want you to go ahead and stand with me, and let's, uh, let's close our time together. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.